Hello, I'm Gareth. And I'm Shane. And welcome to Building Business Resilience. This is the podcast from Sanctuary Financial Planning, which helps growth business owners and social media influencers achieve financial independence. We're two passionate financial planners on a mission to seek out new ideas, tips and tricks to help you take control of your finances and run better businesses. We delve into the true goals and aspirations of our guests in order to provide you with some real value and positivity. Nothing outrageous, clear, simple, solid financial solutions. We also have a YouTube series to accompany this and details will be at the end of the show. So let's move on to our guest. Welcome back to the Building Business Resilience Show. It's episode 23, and in today's show, we're going to be talking to Ruth Astle. Ruth is a triathlete and Ironman who's achieved some impressive accolades so far, namely overall age group winner, world champion, Ironman Hawaii 2019, overall age group challenge Roth 2019, 24-29 age group world champion, Ironman Hawaii 2018, overall age group Ironman Nice 2018. All of this while still working a 70-hour week in corporate banking in London. But that's all about the change. She turns the tables and takes the focus to the sport she loves. So watch this space. 2020 has obviously been a different challenge for all of us, including Ruth. We chat all things Ironman, triathlon, training during lockdown in the future. So without much further ado, let's get started. Hi, Ruth. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, how has a lockdown been treating you? Yeah, I've actually had a very good lockdown. I've been quite enjoying it. Um, just been training, working, and that's about it, really. So it's not actually been that different other than not having any races to sort of train for. So have you been able to kind of train, I guess? Because you said where you are, you've, you've, got a, you've got a pool there which you can use and stuff. Yes, yeah, so I've been really lucky in that I've been able to basically do fairly normal training the whole way through. Um, with the main difference being obviously not training with groups, which would be something that I would do more, but I don't really mind it too much. I think when you're used to sort of training for Ironman, you're quite used to hmm. doing a lot by yourself anyway. Um, so actually, yeah, I've, I've not found it too bad at all. I think initially I actually quite enjoyed the fact that there was then no pressure and could kind of relax a little bit and, um, although at the time when when we got locked down, I was kind of at peak fitness. I was like two weeks away from when I was meant to be doing Ironman South Africa. So I basically took two weeks of actually really doing nothing. Because um, my coach mm. was like, you need to sort of lose fitness a bit and kind of <laughs> go back into sort of winter training. So we don't know how long this is going to be for. And um, so that was kind of all right at that point. It's now getting to a point of it being a little bit more frustration, frustrating in that, the races that they say are going ahead and then they cancel them like two or three weeks yeah. before. So you've kind of done quite a lot of training for it, yeah. um, kind of got yourself excited that there might be a race and then, and then it goes. But yeah, generally speaking, I've actually, I've quite enjoyed just training. I think as a sort of newbie pro, actually having a bit more time to, to train is quite good for me. It means that I get to try and improve on, all the areas that I need to improve on so that by the time we get to racing, hopefully I've made uh, like a few more improvements. So I've been trying to look at it from that kind of positive spin as opposed to, oh, it's my first year as a pro and I've got no races. What's the definition, Ruth, of winding it down for a few weeks? 
uh, everyone else you know, <laughs> are, are not exercising is is a total do absolutely nothing stick Netflix on go out and buy as many bars of large dairy milk chocolate or <laughs> it basically is don't train for eight hours a day or just train for four it's more like just do fun things so rather okay. than training like actually just go for like a, a fun spin on your bike or um you know go for like a walk maybe rather than a run or like there's definitely more alcohol consumed in those first couple of weeks than, <laughs> than would normally um but yeah I think other than that it was, it was more like don't do structured training and just kind of do what you feel like and yeah I, I would go a bit mad if I tried to do nothing um that yeah. really wouldn't last very long so I'd have to be getting out and doing something active but yeah just not like oh, I'll go and do this interval set or yeah. something structured isn't it amazing how so many, so many people have got into the alcohol thing? We spoke to Neil Neil Fackey a couple of weeks ago, who's the Paralympian, and um, he said... Like wine tasting now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, wine tasting <laughs> massively. <laughs> Buying all these different types of food so he can try different wines. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, we basically did something similar, and uh, we decided to try basically all of the English wines that we could find. Um, so that that was fun. That was good. But we've definitely established that English red wine is generally really terrible, um, and a lot of the white wine and the bubbles are actually quite nice. But yeah, if you like red wine, don't try English red wine. <laughs> no, I, I like red wine, but I, I've kind of either gone for kind of I guess the French or the Argentinian style, but not any English red wine. I think I've had any English red wine. Yeah, don't bother. No, I won't. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> The only thing you need to do with wine is put red wine into beef. Other than that, just don't go near it. Red wine. <laughs> I, 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 I used to I, I used to like a Malbec, but I kind of like I I haven't actually had a drink since when was our Christmas party? Seventeenth of December. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, it, it, it just kind of it's just the way it kind of felt because like we we got a nine month old daughter and I kind of I didn't want to kind of drink and then kind of have to try and get up with her and. And it just then we fell into lockdown, and I generally don't particularly drink much at home anyway. Um, and it's just kind of how it's kind of panned out. <laughs> I just literally haven't had a drink. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and Amazing. do the year if I can get away with it, but I don't think I will. That'll be the first time since I was probably 14 that, uh, that I kind of uh, have a drink for a year. But um, yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, mm. So tell us about your journey, your career so far. Yes, I guess. Um there's probably like a few different parts of it. So I, uh, I actually, I joined Lloyd's uh, on the grad scheme post uni. I kind of had no idea what I wanted to do. I was looking at all the general management ones. Lloyd's had a good one. I went and did the interview. I liked the other people that I met. So I was like, this seems like a good fit. So I joined Lloyd's. At that point, um, I guess sporting wise, I played hockey all through school and uni. Um, and I've always quite enjoyed sort of staying fit and active. My family's all quite fit and active and quite, um, also very competitive. So kind of quite liked having something competitive. But when I started work and then moved to London, um, hockey like hockey didn't really appeal to me. I'd kind of got to a point with uni where I'd kind of actually managed to play at quite a high level. You know, I think higher than what my ability is. <laughs> I just used to run around a lot and got quite lucky that the team needed someone to run around a lot. Um, and a lot of the hockey clubs at in London you kind of had to travel quite far out and I was like I don't really want to do that so I was then looking at you know trying to do things like marathons and and generally just do a bit of running and it was at the point when I was training for Berlin Marathon uh in 2013 it must have been and Lloyd's had a 
a charity place uh, at the London Triathlon. And I was working in a team at the time that were sending a few people to do it. And they're like, you're quite sporty. Do you want to give it a go? So that ended up being my first triathlon. And yeah, just like kind of really enjoyed it. It was something fun. Like I kind of did reasonably well for my first one. So that kind of ignited that competitive streak again. And I then joined my local tri club and it then became this like this huge social thing. Like I met loads of new people, made loads of really good friends. And it then just kind of all snowballed from there a little bit, really. Because then I started hearing about, oh, you can go and represent Great Britain and go to these like age group championships. And I was like, well, that sounds, you know, who doesn't want to go and represent their country for for sport? Um, and then so I did that for like a couple of years and then started hearing more about some of the long distance stuff and this place called Kona that everyone kept talking about as if it's some magical <laughs> place. Um, so then that kind of came the aim of, oh, you know, I really want to get there. That sounds great. Do an Ironman. And um, yeah, so I guess that's how it kind of escalated into, into going up to Ironman. And then that was all going reasonably well. So I kind of thought, you know what, maybe I should just give it a go being a, being a professional triathlete. And again, just kind of see where it where it gets you. Because um, I thought I really don't want to look back in sort of five, six years and be like, I really missed an opportunity there to to do something a bit different and, and just try it. And I think there's so many things about triathlon that I really love. It's like you get to travel to all these amazing places, meet new people, see different cultures. You get the kind of... I guess the other side of things, which is just sort of pushing yourself, like seeing how far you can go, how much improvements you can make. And then I'm also quite lucky in that Lloyd's have been really supportive. So they've kind of supported me going down to two days a week. I managed to kind of create a whole new role for myself that, <laughs> that I could do on two days a week. So I, like, I really don't want to get stuck into one of these things where it's a proper like full-time role and I'm trying to do it on compressed hours. So I think that really, that's really hard. Um, so I think with all these things, you know, like with Lloyd's support, I was a bit like, well, actually, I might as well, you know, I can give it a go because I've still got that sort of two days a week to keep my brain going and kind of keep me financially secure. And um, but it gives me that more time to sort of train and recover and kind of see where I can get to. Although clearly this year, there's not really been any races to to kind of give that a go. Yeah. But other than that, um, so yeah, I guess that's the kind of how I got here in a nutshell. That's good. It's um, it, it, the likes. I guess you classes a multidiscipline. I guess triathlon. Yeah. Um, it just amazes me because people will train just to run or to cycle or to swim, but you've got to try and fit it all in, you know, and yeah. and, and be competitive with that, you know, as well. You know, it, for I guess for the listeners, yeah. what's a typical triathlon distances you'll do in actual competition? So I'm, I guess, mainly doing Ironman distance, which yeah. is 3.8K swim, 180K on the bike, and then a marathon on the run. See, and that, that, that's the, the Ironman genuinely blows yeah. my mind because yeah. I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I don't think I could do any of those, you know, even if I trained. Anyone could do one. 100%. Yeah, I know. Or, it's almost like it's such a long way actually I think a lot of it is mental and yeah, it's yeah. kind of keeping that focus on it and just keeping yourself going like honestly some of the people you see doing it there's like this guy I think he's the oldest guy at Kona last year I think he's like 
I want to say he's like 93. It's like ridiculous. And wow. he gets around it in under seven because they have a cutoff of 17 hours yeah. and he gets around it. And it's like not only those distances, but like in those conditions where it's really hot, really humid, windy. So, you know, if someone like that can do it, pretty much everyone else can definitely 100% do it. Is, is it just a mental, the mental strength to do it of... You, you could, because I presume where you you started out in 2013, you weren't able to do those distances. But it is a a build up over time, and mm. you know you're you're tired or you're fatigued, but you just keep going on, and the pain the pain doesn't get any worse at a certain level. It's just pain, and it's just push on through it and do better again the following week, the following week, and just continue mm. to increase it over time. I suppose. Yeah, and I think quite a big part of kind of Ironman training is actually you just get used to being tired. Um, and I think, you know, up to the point of when I turned pro at the end of last year, like I was kind of training, uh, like the job that I was doing before, I was basically the exec assistant for uh, our chief information officer. So it was like a very um, full-on job. You know, I was generally working sort of 60 to 70 hours a week and then trying to train sort of 15 to 20 hours a week on top of that. So you basically you are basically just generally in a cycle of you're just knackered all the time. But that's there there's points when you get to on the Ironman where it's like, okay, well, yeah, I'm a bit tired. I'm I'm hitting a bit of a mental point here that is a bit tough and I'm I'm not sure about it. But actually you just think back to like all those early mornings or all the times when you might have missed out on some social things, you're trying to do your training and so I think like, you know, it gives the training gives you a lot of things to draw on. Um when you're racing but then like the other thing that I used to talk to my boss about quite a lot was actually I also think that kind of training um also translates quite well into the workplace but also like for me it's like I work better if I've done some kind of training or some kind of exercise like if I if I like the times when I would race and I'd then have a couple of recovery weeks where I really wasn't doing very much I felt so much worse sat at my desk trying to work, like my concentration span would be off. I'd generally just feel a bit sluggish. So I think there's also something about just generally being a bit healthier and active and like keeping your, I think it's also like mentally stimulating to do that exercise as well. So like, I think for me, when I was working for, and everyone's like, how are you fitting all the same when you're working full time? And I was like, well, it's just actually, I really don't function very well if I don't do it, uh, mm-hmm. both from like a sort of mental health perspective, but also a just, how good I am at my job like I genuinely think I'm better when I'm training like this so um I think there's all you, part of it's getting into routine a bit but yeah I think a lot of it is yeah. that mental if you've got that drive to try and achieve something you'll find ways of doing it is it like the Steve Redgrave thing years ago do you remember he was saying he was always exhausted when he was going was it the last Olympics or did he just get diagnosed with diabetes and he were they were doing sessions on the the roar and he'd have to just count you know, if they had to do 10 minutes, he'd count mm. 30 and just get those 30 seconds. Going, well, that's one of them over. Is that almost sometimes the way you have to go of the, the, the strength inside you that you might have 40, 50K to go on the bike, but you mm. go, do you know what, let's, let's just get the next t- 2K over. Oh, that's done. Put it in the bank and, and then bre- break it down that much that it doesn't become a massive challenge then. Mm. Yeah, I definitely do that quite a lot, actually. And I think the other thing you've got with Ironman is you can also distract yourself a bit with your nutrition and having kind of various points, which you're like, right, this is the point when I should be drinking this bit more or having something to eat. 
Um, but I definitely, I do break it down into sort of 10K chunks when I get to that point. I've just been like, right, I've just got to get through 10K. It's going to be probably somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes, depending on how fast that bit of course is. Um, and that then seems really manageable. And if you can break it all down like that, or I do the other thing that I also use sometimes during races is I just try and look at, um, I don't think it's going to work as well in pro races because there's not as many people. But when I was racing as the age group, there's generally lots of people around you and, and generally quite a lot of men. And because of how they like set people from the swim. And uh, so I would generally just be like, right, who's the next person in front of me? I've just got to try and catch them. And that would then be the focus point until I caught them. And then it'd be like, right, where's the next person? Um, and just kind of try and pick people off one by one. It's not, it's not I, I was watching a YouTube video of you the other night and I see you started trying to do bread making or something like that, sour, white sourdough <laughs> or some of that. So is it a thing that you're there and you're, you know, your calves are in pain or something, but you're just thinking, block it all out and go, uh, you're running away, you're on a bike and you're going, I wonder what would be, what would be good now to put in the bread just as a, as a, as a different, mm. uh, something different, just totally zone <laughs> yourself out and think of, think of something totally different. Yeah. Well, I also, often I usually have some kind of really annoying song in my head, which then I basically spend the whole bike trying to get it out of my head because it like tends to be something like really terrible that I don't even like that I probably know about three or four words to. And if you have that going round around your head for like five hours, so, but sometimes that's quite helpful. It's just something else to try and like get out of your mind and (laughs) something to think about for a bit. What is the difference in, I was trying to do in age group and pro because you won your age group and you got to pro, but is not is everyone not in the one competition? No, no. So there's, I guess, yeah, <laughs> triathlon is a bit of a weird one. Um, generally speaking, to compete as a professional, you have to have confirmation from your national federation that you are good enough to compete as a pro. Um, so for British triathlon, they've got a whole set of criteria that you need to meet before they basically send you a letter that says, yeah, you're eligible to be a professional. Um, other countries have different kind of qualifying criteria, but it is basically a different race. So like all the big Ironman races, for example, uh, the pros would start first and then you basically get all the age groupers would come kind of after that um like so you are like you are theoretically doing the same race it's just yeah. like it is a bit different in terms of like the pro men will go then the pro women will go and then thousands of age groupers will set off so you said something on one of the the, the videos watching that you would you would potentially if you if you were doing it for financial reasons you would have made more money as a a world-class age grouper rather than i, I don't want to put the wrong words as an average mm. oh no you'd want to be better than average mm. pro person so so why step up yeah uh for me it was about i think it's again it's just the sort of challenge of it so i'd got to a point where i was basically winning all the age group stuff and like winning's nice but it's kind of i feel like i'd kind of done that so it's like well actually now i just want to go and race against the best women in the world um so that's why the kind of step up to pro and I think there's something about the kind of general lifestyle of it that appeals in terms of you know the traveling and the the training and um and I was like you know well I'm in a position where I can afford to not be working full-time for a little bit um it just seems like a good a good thing to do but I think it mainly is from that kind of the challenge perspective and the sort of see how much I can improve and I think I've got a better chance of 
pushing myself to improve more if I'm competing as a professional. And that's the, that's the motivation itself of competing and pushing yourself against the best of the mm. best on the planet. Yeah. Make, makes absolute sense. Um, so what with, cause you've, you've gone up North since lockdown. How, how has everything or your, the, the working and training pattern been adapted since all of lockdown? Cause you said earlier, you, you were only a couple mm. of weeks away from peak fitness and then crash the world changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, actually my sort of working training pattern hasn't changed. Um, so I've been doing these two days a week, which I generally split over three days. So I'll do kind of like Monday afternoon, Tuesday full day, Wednesday afternoon. Um, so it's quite easy to fit all the training around that, to be honest. Um, but I was kind of doing that before anyway. And because of how my team works and where we're based, I wasn't really going into the office very much either. So I guess from that perspective, it's not really changed <laughs> at all. I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still training. I'm still working. Um, I'm still not really in the office. Uh, and I don't really plan on going back to the office anytime soon. So, um, yeah, being up in Yorkshire and like, out in the country's just been, yeah, a bit of a change, a bit of somewhere different to train. Um, and it's actually been quite nice. Is, is it a thing that changes as good as the rest of this in and different roads and different um, places to swim, bike, ride and, and run are mm. is refreshing in a way? Yeah, it definitely is. And I think because one of the things about London uh, in particular is the cycling. It's just you have to cycle quite far to get out of London and to get onto quite quiet roads. Um, and then you're generally probably in Surrey from where I am in London. And then you've got a lot of drivers that really don't like cyclists. Um, so <laughs> cycling was generally quite stressful uh, in London. And I, I was doing pretty similar routes. And again, I guess I've been doing those routes for the last like four to five years. So yeah, definitely a bit of a change is nice. And there's just so much, I guess there's like so much more variety up here. And it's generally like much tougher cycling. It's obviously very hilly. Um, the roads tend to be, you know, like proper English roads of lots of potholes and um, not the smoothest of surfaces. But uh, yeah, I think that's quite good for trainings. It just means the training's quite hard, um, which hopefully puts you in a better place when, when I come to race. It's one of those things of, uh, I, I would be under the impression that if you know the same route, you can push yourself to get better and better and better. Whereas if you go up north, I know you wouldn't because that's your job, but if, if somebody went up, you'd be looking around and taking things nice and nice and easy and looking around at the new scenery and new surroundings because it's all new to you. Whereas if you're in the same bubble of going, this is the route I take. And normally that takes me 42 minutes and 15 seconds, but now I've done 42, 10, there's a progression. So uh, is, is, yeah, I think you can still have that a little bit. I mean, I use Strava, so I often look at my my Strava segments and see if I've gone better or worse on them. Yeah, but up, um, up, up, in, the, up in Yorkshire, you're having, to, you're having to keep your head down and make sure that you're weaving in and out of the potholes rather than nice, <laughs> nice yeah. roads down uh, No, you, you, the roads are really not much better around London. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, some of them are worse. But um, yeah, no, I think that's general English roads. They're generally not good. Well, will London... Be re- will you be returning to London then as in you know if you, if you have everything on your doorstep now 
is there the potential of you know changing life in the uh, is that one of the questions yeah, I, mean, that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that there's a potential but it's that's more based on personal things than anything else so um yeah it depends wait, if i get invited <laughs> yeah it's what, what a lot of the things we chat about with with um, the guys and, and ladies on here has always been mental strength and 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 how to be able to when you're having a shit day being able to park it because and show a happy face with everyone else. So when you're having a, a bad day or when things are not going right, how do you park that day and and move on? So if you've had a bad race, um, you you put it to the side. If you've had a bad training session or if anything, if, if work something in work has crept in, that affects the training because you're thinking about it. How, how do you use that resilience or strength to park it and, 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 and move on and get something else done? I think probably one of the benefits about triathlon is that it's three different sports. So generally, if you've had one not very good training session, you might have had another one that's a bit better. Um, but I think like, I'm generally... I'm generally quite good at just being like, well, it's just a training session. Like you're not meant to be being a hero in your training session. If it's just a steady run and you felt a bit of shit and your legs weren't really moving. Like it doesn't really matter. Like if it's time on your feet, that's fine. Um, and I think it's also recognizing that like we are all only human. You're going to have days where you really don't feel good. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to go and do that training. Um, but actually some of those days, the days where I've had some of the best training sessions because you just sort of surprise yourself because I think you don't have any expectations. Um, but I also think it's kind of, it's, it's being able to be sort of reasonable about it and be like, well, it's one, like, it's one bad training session. So what? I've done like 50 other really good ones. Um, it's trying to put it in perspective. I think particularly when you're training for, well, I guess when you're consistently training most of the time it's like obviously you're going to get some bad days no one's going to have a completely smooth run of stuff um but just know it's kind of part of it like you need to have some of the bad times to make you appreciate a bit more when you have a really good training session because there's nothing like that buzz of like, I find it for me it's if there's been a session that I've looked at that I'm a bit like I don't know if I can do that you know like if it's on the bike and I'm looking at the power that my coach has given me and I'm a bit like not sure I can do that and then you go and do it like that's one of the best feelings ever. Um, so I think it's, it's, again, it's trying to think back to, you know, I've definitely got runs where I know that I just need to get my trainers on, get myself out the door and kind of get going and then it'll be all right. But even then there's some runs, it's kind of every kilometre is a real struggle and I really don't want to be doing it. But I just try and think about, right, well, when you get to that race and everything starts to hurt, like you don't want to look back and be like, oh, well, I kind of sacked that run off and I didn't really want to do it. It's always that, you know, in, that in your mental bank, you've A, made yourself go and train when you don't really want to. So you know that actually when things get tough, you, you can kind of keep going. And also, you know, that you've sort of done everything to put yourself in the best shape to be there, which I think that's quite important when you're on the start line to kind of yeah. be like, yeah, I know that I've done everything I can to get myself in the best shape. I've not taken any shortcuts. I've not made any excuses. And, you know, therefore, as long as I can try and execute the race quite well, it, it theoretically should go well. Obviously, there's lots of things that can go wrong, but it kind of gives you that slight confidence on the start line. Yeah. Does it help? Because it didn't make sense to me, but I kind of get it now, that you're, 
and please don't take offence this way, that you're not full-time pro, that because you still have a foot uh, mm. in the, the existing job, that you can take yourself out of the, the world of triathlon and you can kind of go, do you know what? I, I, I have another thing to focus on mm-hmm. at certain stages where is it a thing that if somebody is, was doing that full-time, it becomes all-encompassing and it, it can devour you, whereas you, you can actually step out um, into a different world and in a nice way, try and forget about it for two days per week. Yeah, 100%. And that's one of the reasons why I kept working because I'd kind of spoken to quite a few people who'd come from a kind of similar corporate background and then gone into triathlon professionally. And a lot of them kind of said, actually, you'll probably want something to keep your, they were like more to keep your brain going. And, and as you said, have something else to focus on. And I think particularly during this year, if I hadn't, you know, if if I think if I'd gone properly full time, I would have been going out of my mind by this point because it would have just been kind of really intense. You can't really escape it. Um, I think it's a bit different probably when you've got to a point of, you know, say you've like established yourself as a triathlete and then actually there's other stuff you can do off the back of it. But I think most people I know are kind of doing a couple of other things on the side that is like probably a little bit different and kind of is sort of mentally stimulating. Because I think, yeah, otherwise it's, I think it just gets a bit much, it kind of everything being in that world. And, and then it's probably much harder to just... Yeah, like brush off some of the hard sessions or, or try and keep perspective. Um, so I, I found that really helpful. And that's quite, yeah, I have no plans on not doing that. <laughs> okay. I think, you know, I'm always going to want to be having something that's a bit different to, to kind of focus on and have on the side. It's like escapism, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like mm. some people use sport as an escapism, but you're using work to kind of escape from yeah. kind of you know, the... the, the <laughs> the tough rigours of uh, training for uh, Ironman. Yeah. A horrible, horrible sport to try and train for on a regular basis. I just, I, I, <laughs> I, can't, get yeah. it, I can't get it in my head, uh, you know, no, it's, no. Because uh, what's your general, what's, what's general training day look like? Uh, so I guess it depends a bit on the day, but a typical day would be swim in the morning. And I guess most of my swims are probably between like four and four and a half k of swimming um then probably again depends about the day before like do about an hour of running and then maybe like two to three hours of, of cycling ish like again depends on the day sometimes it'll be shorter because i've been doing intervals and um and that's not every day like i do have i'll have at least one day where i'm not running every week and at least one day where i'm not cycling every week and i don't really swim at the weekends um but yeah, like most days are kind of a bit of everything and just sort of mix up. Do you throw strength training into it as well? Oh yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm useless at trying to make myself go to the gym and do strength stuff. I'm trying to be better. That's been like one of my big things of actually going part-time. I should be better at that. It's definitely a thing that when I was working full-time, I always binned off like pretty much every week. I'd be like, oh, can't quite fit that in. <laughs> Don't really want to fit it in. Um, but I think, like, I think it is like it is important. I should be doing more of it. Um, but it's, it, that's definitely the part I enjoy the least. Mm. It was nice listening to you the other day. Uh, saying you, you've, you know, like everyone else, you find it re- have found it really, really hard trying to do any gym stuff 
at home like everyone else. Mm. You know, somebody that has to do it almost for a living is kind of going, oh, I really hate doing all of this sort of stuff. The, yeah. the motivation is very, very difficult to try and do stuff in your own home. Mm, it is. There's so many distractions and it's just much easier to sit on the sofa <laughs> than go and try and do some kind of like cool or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not good at it at all. The, day, the days that you don't do a run, does that mean that the, the time lost on that is then then means an increased bike ride and vice versa? Is that is that the way it kind of mm. works? Train the same amount not necessarily um quite often so i'd say like probably monday and friday probably a bit less because they'll be a bit easier days so like monday generally because i would have done quite a big weekend and done like longer bikes and longer runs and then friday again similar it's kind of like a slightly easier day before before a kind of big weekend so no often it will just be actually it's just a, a lesser day of training um yeah how do you balance it all? The, the working life and the, 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 sorry, both working lives then between Lloyd's and, mm. and all the exercise? Um, well, it's now, it now seems very easy because I've, I've got like 14 hours of work and about 20 hours of, 20 to 25 hours of training, which is not really very much compared to, compared to what I used to be doing. Um, so, yeah, it's now, you know, like from a training perspective, I've got a coach, so he just sets me the week every week and I so that's I just have to do it um and from a work perspective it's kind of um actually it's again it's like reasonably easy like I've got my kind of my rough days of the sort of Monday Tuesday Wednesday but if if things change around a bit or if there's a call that I need to do on Thursday I just switch things around a bit um but yeah I, I have to say that I found it quite easy balancing it all to be honest because it just, it feels like I have a lot of time, which is quite nice. Can you change that when you're saying about doing something on a work on Wednesday afternoon rather than Thursday afternoon? Can you do that now because it's lockdown and there isn't a specific time and goal to aim for? Where if, if in the future you have a specific date, do you, do you have to be that rigid or, or is there still the flexibility in, in all of that? Mm. Can definitely still be quite flexible, um, but yeah, I think again, uh, generally there's ways of making things work. So, like if yeah. there was a really key session that my coach said actually you should be doing it on that day, like I'm sure I could work stuff around. But generally speaking, it's probably there's one of the sessions that day that's kind of more key that should be done on that day, if that makes sense. So, I guess again, like with that kind of time you've got, it's quite easy to get at least one key session done and move other stuff around um yeah i think again with a lot of the, the sort of training it's kind of a lot of it's more of a kind of broad shape as opposed to you'd have to do this on monday this on tuesday and if you deviate from that that's going to ruin everything i think actually one of the things that some of my injuries and stuff has taught me is it really doesn't matter that much if you have to deviate from the plan a bit um and actually often doing a bit less is a bit better um, which I think is quite hard sometimes to try and uh, sort of get into your head. But yeah, so I think, and I think it's a bit dangerous to try and get too rigid as well, because then again, you kind of get into that mentality of, oh my God, I can't do this. And then that's going to ruin everything. Whereas actually, I think one of the really important things with Ironman is 
being able to be flexible because it's a really long day. There's lots of things that probably won't quite go to plan or that might not go how you thought they would. So you sort of need to be able to adapt and, and sort of mix things up while you're racing. So I think it's quite important to be able to have some of that flexibility as well. That's, that's a mental a mental training exercise in still maintaining the, the two days of work, knowing that for the whole year, something will happen in work that will mean having to change and having to be able to adapt so that your brain is able to adapt to things immediately so you can bring that into the uh, the, the competition environment. Yeah, definitely. Definitely helps. I think, and again, it kind of goes both ways as well. You know, I think in some ways I'm probably better at being resilient and adapting to stuff at work because I have to do it so often in, in sort of training and triathlon. So I think it, but yeah, it def- definitely comes back the other way as well. So it's helpful for both work and for and for triathlon. Like everyone else, is it easier to get out on a bike or out for a run on a nice sunny afternoon compared to the middle of November when it's absolutely pouring down? It's one degree and it's nearly dark. You know, is is, this, is there still the horrible times then where you go? I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think everyone's had those days where it's a bit miserable. Um, But I think, again, you just kind of, that's where I think it's good to have like a good training group because then it's it's always going to be slightly fun, even if it's really miserable. You get to catch up with some of your friends, you get to have a bit of a chat. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've had many training days where it's like, I really don't want to go out the door. Like it really looks horrible out there. Um, and no matter how much chocolate and wine I promise myself, it's still not that appealing. But, but the, the miles and the hours and the minutes still get done because they're, they're in the bank then. Mm. And that's where yeah. you, you can bring it to the forefront of your mind when you're having a, a bad couple of minutes on in the competition, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Any, what, what have been the, the, the big highs and the big lows so far in the career? Um, probably like the big high, well, I guess from a triathlon career, I don't really feel like I've had one yet. Um, since I've, <laughs> I've done one pro race and that did not go very well. Um, so that was definitely a bit of a low. Um, so yeah, I guess hard to tell really. Um, have to wait and see. And I hope, hopefully there'll be some more highs after the relative low of my first race where I just had a few sort of equipment errors and then had a couple of punches on the bike and a bit of a knee issue on the run. It was one of those races where it was kind of like pretty much everything sort of went a bit wrong. Um, <laughs> so that definitely wasn't great. And that was a bit of a mental struggle to get to the end. But I kind of, I didn't want to not finish my first pro race. Yeah. And I kind of thought, if I can get through this, then any other race I do is probably going to be better. So hopefully going to be better anyway. <laughs> is, is that in the bank now that what no, nothing else can go as bad as that? So going forward, there'll always be a... You can always hopefully. Be- I mean, there's always a chance that there could be a worse race. Because again, there's so many different things that could go wrong. Yeah. But hopefully that's about as bad as it's going to get. What is it? What is a puncher like? When you mid competition, do you, you just change a wheel, or is it more to it than that? Uh, you have to change your tire because there's no support with spare wheels, so um, you have to carry your kit with you to to change really? it. So you're carrying your own gas. 
your own yeah. cast. Yeah. So, so how do you account for that? Because the more you carry, the heavier you're going to be, but the less you carry, the less tools you'll have for um, something that may happen. So is there a set amount of things that everyone takes or does everyone take different things? Mm-hmm. I think most people take enough for one. Okay. If you get two, you're a bit unlucky. So I've, when I got my second one, I didn't have anything to change it with. So I just had to roll in the last 15K on a flat tire, which I would oh, wow. recommend. But, on um, a flat tire? 15K <laughs> as well. We're not talking <laughs> like a few hundred yards, are we? No, that was not fun. Never mind how how much damage it did to the wheel. Um. Yeah, don't don't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> and like four hundred and fifty pounds wheel gone, if not more. <laughs> and how 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 in terms of speed, how how does that decrease from from what to what with a, with a small tire? I mean definitely a big impact and unfortunately it was on like the fastest bit of course so um yeah I would have lost a lot on that bit uh, and there was a few that was the bit when we we're heading back into town as well so a few like little roundabouts corners and again I don't know if you've ever tried cornering on a flat tire but it's quite difficult and you basically have to not really be moving otherwise you're going to fall off so oh, wow. um yeah it was not fun I, th- I thought this, you, you mentioned earlier about how this everyone was uh, friendly and stuff like that, but when it comes to competition, nobody's going to throw you anything. You know, they're not going to stop and help you. It's uh, it's everyone for themselves in the competition. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Should we ask them, uh, you know, funny, funny moments, um, be it competition, training? Uh, hmm... Put me on the spot with that. Don't know, really. Uh, not got any that spring to mind. I mean, there must have been some, but yeah, I'm drawing a blank on that. That now makes it sound really boring, doesn't it? Oh, that's, that's <laughs> all right. I, I, I'd be the same. We, we do, we do throw this one in. I'd be the same if I put on the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, what, what's, what's next for you now? Uh, well, I actually had the possibility of a couple of English races, which is exciting. So I'm meant to be doing one called Helvellyn Triathlon, which is in the Lake District yep. in sort of two and a half weeks. Um, and then there's potentially one in Nottinghamshire at the end of September. Um, so I guess that they're not really pro races. It's kind of, it's just local English races, but it's a race. So that's exciting. Um but yeah, basically just waiting for some of the bigger sort of Ironman and, and challenge races to to start happening. So I guess they're the ones that sort of qualify you for world championships or actually give you a bit of a paycheck. Um, but they're also the ones that kind of, you also need thousands of age groupers to be doing it to make it financially viable for them. So yeah. uh, can't really see any of them happening anytime soon. So wait and see, just keep training. Will they not start sooner rather than later? Because everything is outdoors. So potentially the the social distancing is there because pools are opened now. Um and realistically mm. there isn't going to be a huge group of people, is there, on a on a run or a bike, as in because they'll all be spread out over a a, a period of distance. Mm. Well, I think 
unfortunately most Ironmans people are quite close but it's more the yeah. issue that you've got thousands of people all coming to a town and I can't see any local towns really wanting, wanting that out. risk at the moment not make, it, it makes, yeah, that makes sense feel that way. Mm. that's been superb cool brilliant thank you very much that has been really really okay. enjoyed best, best of luck when, that, when it all does start um, to kick off again yeah. Root thanks for chatting to us We'd better let you get back on the bike or is it into the pool or get your trainers on for a run. <laughs> wow, that is a lady who is certainly going places and fast. Head over to our website, www.sanfp.co.uk to learn more about us and our journey. That's it for this episode. Next, we're talking all things food with the Hangfire ladies, Sam and Shauna. You can hear that wherever you get our podcasts. Plus, don't forget to click subscribe to get all the latest episodes as soon as they arrive. Don't forget to listen to our new Chats the Bar series every Tuesday for a short insight into business, money, finance, aspirations, dreams and planning. Also, if you're enjoying the series, please do leave us some feedback with a quick review as this helps us to grow and ensure that we're giving our audience the best experience. Until next time, thanks for listening.